name is Mike Smith. I work for the U.S. Navy, and I'm. Hi, my name is Mike Smith. I work for the U.S. Navy, and I'm an engineer. Hi, my name is Fernando Feliciano, and I'm the postmaster at Linwood. Hi, my name is Fernando Feliciano, and I'm the postmaster at Linwood, Washington. I'm Michaela Testerman. I'm a senior at King's High School, and I also work at Chick-fil-A. I'm the city of Everett. I drive bus for the city of Everett. I work for Boeing. I work at the Boeing Company. I work at Boeing. I am a Spanish to English translator. I have a stained glass studio in downtown Edmonds. And I also stained glass studio in downtown Edmonds. And I also work here at the church. today. Hope you had a great week this week. I'm excited that you're here. Uh, we're starting a new series, as you can tell. We, uh, we're going to be doing a, a, a kind of a, a journey together down this uh, topic of, of how God works in our work and how we integrate our faith and our work. And uh, this is new territory for me. I, I looked over my 15 years of teaching, and I'd, I've really never gone down this track so much before. So I'm kind of excited about uh, the next few weeks that we're going to spend together. Uh, today, we're going to be in the book of Colossians. We're going to read a passage from there in just a moment. Ushers will come back in a moment and offer a, a Bible if you'd like one uh, today, uh, so you can take advantage of that. Uh, you know, when you, when you kind of collectively think about this topic, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but 150,000 hours, they say on an average, a person will spend at work over their lifetime. 150,000 hours, 40% of your lifetime is, is spent uh, at your jobs or at your work. It's a significant deal, wouldn't you agree? Um, you know, oftentimes we find our identity uh, in, in what we do, and we, you know, uh, it can take a lot of different forms, a lot of different paths over, over the period of time. Uh, I, I realize just how relevant this topic is. This week on my assistant's desk, a, a magazine from uh, Christianity Today came, and this was the cover of the magazine this week, uh, that it said, uh, it talked about just that, integrating our life and our faith, the God of the second shift, um, you know, interesting topic, and, and how, uh, how folks are putting their faith to work. Uh, so, Anyway, we look at this, and I, as I start this series these next several weeks, I always kind of like to lay a backdrop, a little foundation, and I want to give credit where credit is due, uh, the resources that I've tapped into. Um, I have to start with my wife. She is the one who inspired me along this line. Uh, we were at a study break a number of months ago, and she said, you know, you ought to do a, a, a series on teaching about how people can put their faith uh, at work and glorify God through the jobs that they have. She says, I don't think you've ever done that. And, and so being a good husband that I am, I listened to my wife. And, and so here we go, you know. Started reading, started gathering materials, some of those that I probably will reflect on. George Barna from the Barna Research Group, Christian Research, uh, just recently did a comprehensive study on integrating faith and work and finding out where people are at. And you know, his research shows that in history, it was the church who uh, more than anybody else over history has, has prepared people vocationally. That's why so many of our colleges and universities find a basis back in Christianity or their Christian faith is a, the training and the development in, in that area. And so it really is something we should be talking about. Um, uh, read several books, one by uh, Rick Church uh, called Free Bird, would talk about finding meaning in your work. A um, number of teachers, a number of articles that I've kind of collected over, over these past months. Uh, one book that I've referred to for 
quite some time now. It's a book called Halftime by Bob Buford. Uh, I'm going to refer to this in just a few moments, but uh, he basically is a guy that, that uh, was very successful in his business, but then came to a point where he met, went into another chapter of his vocational life, and he, he kind of went from, as he said, success to significance and wanted to find significance. And so I'll be referring to some of that and make that available. So not, a number of resources are coming together, but you know, as, as we start off, uh, I want to ask you a question. Do you remember the first job that you ever had? I mean, think back. That's some, for some of you, that's going way back. The very first job that you had. Uh, I made a list uh, of, of my own, and I think it started with mowing lawns. I had this old beat-up Briggs & Stratton lawnmower, you know, and, and I would go around the neighborhood, and for five bucks, you know, I'd mow, mow folks' lawns. Uh, I did a paper route. Remember the days when we used to read the paper? Uh, when we actually had them delivered, you know, by a kid that had two big bags on his handlebars. I was one of those. I did that for a while. Uh, then my first real job uh, was at Kentucky Fried Chicken. It, uh, it came to our little town in Central California, Tulare, California, and we got a Kentucky Fried Chicken and a Taco Bell, and we thought we were really something. So I applied and made buck 35 an hour, whopping buck 35 an hour. My job was to get these boxes of whole chickens and, and use this bologna saw, you know, and, and chop them up and, into the pieces that they would use. Unfortunately, I got my finger caught in, in the saw one day. Didn't cut it off, but as you can tell, uh, but uh, pretty, sliced up pretty good so that around my high school, it became known as Kentucky Fried Fingers. And um, so I didn't keep that job very long. Uh, and then I kind of moved over into the agricultural area, which we were known for at the time. I, I uh, fed cows, uh, which meant I got up very early in the morning with my buddy Tim, and, and we would load a, a trailer about four high of alfalfa bales, and we had to drive along the mangers and feed the cows at uh, four or five in the morning. And, you know, that, that took a little discipline. Um, uh, and then, then I went to work with my brother-in-law, and I would actually do... Uh, larger uh, bales of hay. In other words, a, a trailer and a truckload, 400 bales of alfalfa. And these aren't just your little fluffy bales. These are 140 pounds, right? And my job, since I didn't drive, was uh, whenever you'd have one, they needed it immediately at the manger to, to immediately feed the cows. I'd be the one to take them off of the load and stack them up three high. So two of those layers, I had to lift these bales up and put them and then lift them up on the third level and put them and these guys wanted to get it done, and they were throwing them down. And one day, I was in Bakersfield, California. It was probably 110 degrees, and I did four loads back to back. And uh, that was the day that I realized I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I, I wasn't planning on going to college. You know, had other. You know, you, this was all before I became a Christian. And. God had other plans, but I just, I was kind of recounting these jobs. Now, maybe your job was the worst that you ever had, and it kind of went up from there. Maybe it was the best you ever had, and it kind of went downhill from there. I don't know, but, but have you ever stopped to think about the place that your vocational life, your work, the job that you do has in your Christian walk, in your Christian faith? There was a survey that was given, and they asked the question, uh, what, ha what would happen if you were just suddenly dropped a, a $6 million into your lap? What would you do? Uh, I, I feel kind of like the guy on the, on the Family Feud. The number one answer uh, is they would pay off debt. In light of our last month's discussion, 
There's a lot of folks that that probably would apply to, right? Pay off debt. The second one was I'd buy a new car. And you know what the third one was? I'd quit my job. You know, I'd walk into the boss's office and say, you know what? You can take this job and give it to somebody more deserving, right? <laughs> That's what you'd say, right? You know, when I, when I heard that, I thought, how many of us equate our jobs strictly or only to the, the money that we make or the, the, the necessity that is there? Is there not something more than just that? And have you discovered what that is? Have you already, have you already considered uh, a greater or broader meaning to the work that you've been called to do, especially as a believer in the Lord, who's only here for a short time? And what does God think about that? That's what we're gonna do the next several weeks. I wanna just give you an overview. Uh, today we're gonna be talking about the purpose, okay? Why do we do it? Solomon, you know, in his great wisdom, he said, what is, it, what is it that's going to come about by all the hard work that you do? He was good about asking questions kind of open-ended. And, and, you know, that's a good question to answer the why question. We're going to do that today. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about you particularly and how God has wired you and, and the uniqueness that is there and how you make the best fit by the design that he's put into you and to fit yourself the best for the, the work he's called you to. We're going to, we're going to look at uh, one week... We're gonna examine a life and see uh, the qualities, the virtues of a life that God honored and he took incrementally to greater and greater responsibility uh, and see if we might be able to learn from that and apply those to our, our life and aspire for some of the same virtues, some of the same character. Uh, it's one of the great stories, I think, of the Bible. So we're gonna spend a week on that. And then we gotta spend some time on, on problems. You know, I think most of you here today would say that you've either been in a job or you're in a job where it's just not a bed of roses, and you've got issues, you've got some struggles, and what, what, is, what does God have to say about that? How can he help us in that? So we're going we're gonna to travel down that road together. Uh, so we'll see where, where it takes us. I want, I want you to know that the backdrop of this is the Colossians passage I ask you to turn to. And if you have your Bibles or your devices, whatever you have it on, I want to look at uh, Colossians chapter 3. Uh, as you can see from the title uh, of this series, In All You Do, with an emphasis on the all, Paul is doing some teaching, and much of even today what we're going to talk about is derived out of Paul's pastoral teaching, which happens to be very practical. Okay? He would write to these churches subsequent to his visits there, and he basically give them instructions on how they live their lives. Well, this section is interesting because in Colossians chapter 3, if, I want to pick up at verse 14, actually. And he's giving this general overview, and he's saying, in, in all of these things, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. In other words, let gratitude permeate everything that you do, Okay. Have a thankful heart. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now listen to this, verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay? 
So now he's kind of, kind of put it out there, and he's saying, I don't care what it is that you're doing. Everything we're about is, is in honor and respect and in, in really in worship to the Lord. But now watch what he does. He goes into a, a detail of this idea of submission and authority in, in our lives because sometimes that's where it gets tested, wouldn't you agree? And so he starts with wives and husbands, and he's talking about the roles that are there. He's talking about children and their obedience to the parents and uh, talking to fathers in particular. But I want you to look at verse 22, okay? He says, bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service or as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Now, some of your versions, if you're looking at it, it might use the word slave. And I know that slave is, is one of those terms that just kind of solicits a little bit more of emotion, especially with our, our national history and things. But that word bondservant is in the ESV. It probably, in my, my understanding, probably for our context may be best used as employee. You're an employee because that's who he was speaking to of the day. People who were considered slaves are working for somebody, but most of them chose to stay in that position. It wasn't oppressive. They, they were paid, they were dealt with very kindly, and they, they loved their, their, and when you say masters, it would be more your boss or your employer, okay? So if you just kind of replace those, you're gonna get the understanding of what Paul's saying here. If you're an employee, you know, do it as to the Lord. If you're an employer, as down a little later, he says, uh, treat your employees justly and fairly, knowing that you have a master in heaven. But listen to the general guideline he gives in verse 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You're serving the Lord Christ. Again, he says, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is uh, no partiality and, and masters or employers, treat your bond servants, treat your employees justly, fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So that, that's kind of the backdrop of which, you know, the next several weeks we're going to kind of lean on. That's our foundation. I want to pray and ask the Lord just to help us, not only today, but for the weeks ahead, that we can hear what he has already, man. I've had some amazing conversations with folks who are right in the thick of this. And so this is very, very timely, I think, going to be for some of us. So let's pray and uh, just adjust our hearts to him. Lord, we do uh, bow before you. We acknowledge you as the author of all truth, and you are the one who made us. Even the scripture says we were fearfully and wonderfully made. And God, you've designed each one of us for a purpose. You knew that purpose even before we were born. And I, I always uh, look forward to the opportunity here at the church to, to help folks discover what that is, maybe what their calling is, what they're, they're aspiring for as far as putting their life, their purpose into your hands and, and seeing what unfolds. So I just pray, Lord, that uh, as we begin to share these things and look to your word and look to the truth it represents, that you will instruct us, that you will guide us. God, there are going to be some folks who are going to be making some pretty uh, life-changing decisions, even in the next few weeks. And we pray that, uh, that this, uh, these messages are going to converge and instruct and just help them to know uh, what, what brings joy to your heart, because you are the one that we want to worship. You're the one that we want to please. 
So we commit ourselves to that end today, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Got some notes on your way in. We're going to uh, walk you through because uh, as, as, again, we just kind of think in, in a general context, uh, this idea of work. I remember even early on when I would read the book of Genesis, I don't know what it was, but when I read that and the, kind of the way it unfolded, I came to this conclusion that work was kind of a consequence of sin or the fall of man. Have you ever felt that way? <laughs> you know, the way you read it? You know, he got, Adam got kicked out, out of the garden, and, you know, I said, man, life's going to be tough from here on out, and you're going to have to go to work. You know, that's kind of the way I, I, I read that. And, uh, you know, so in other words, we might have kind of assumed that work is, is a punishment for sin. Now, some of you might have jobs that validate that assumption here this morning, right? But it's not true. Adam had a job before the fall of man. You know what it was? He was a gardener. He was called to be a gardener and take care of the garden. He says, uh, it's Genesis 2.15. You, you've been given this. You've been given responsibility here. And, and, and you, take, you take care of that. Now, when, when sin entered the picture, now suddenly your job kind of got skewed or impacted by that sin so that now it becomes a drudgery. Now it, now it becomes, uh, you know, oppressive or uh, unfulfilling or a lot of the things that unfortunately that we've experienced, but that was not what God intended uh, for that, okay? Um, in fact, if you look carefully at Jesus' words, he says, my father is at work always, John 5, 17. He says he's, he's constantly at work. My father is always doing his work, he says. And I, I hate to burst your bubble this morning, but did you know that when we get to heaven that we're going to have a job to do? All of us, you thought we were going to sit on the beach and just drink uh, umbrella drinks, right? And just kind of slay back and play our harps and stuff. No, nah, there's a work that he's preparing even now for you to do at that point. We'll see that a little later in some of the verses Jesus talked about that that, you know, as, as we continue to be faithful, as we walk through this path, he's going to entrust us even with more. And so um, I, I look at this and I just think, man, there's just even theologically some things at the groundwork that, that we need to kind of straighten out with regards to what place does this really have? I have conversation with folks and, and we ask, maybe ask them a question, why, why are you working? Why are you doing what you do? Well, I'm working so that I can retire. And you know my feelings on that. Um, but I stop and I think, okay, so you're saying that you're going to use your best years, your, your best strength and energy and mind, and, and you're going to apply that to something you don't necessarily want to do so that at the end you might have a few years left when you don't have the strength and you, and you don't have as much energy to do something now that you really wanted to do. Does that make sense? I don't think so. I, I think the Lord intended us to, to be involved in, in all of, of something that's fulfilling, something that's going to bring him pleasure and joy and bring you pleasure and joy. And there is nothing wrong with that. And so we ask ourselves, man, is there something more? And I say, absolutely. So that's what I wanted to do. I want to walk you through, just for your consideration, several reasons, if you will, uh, of why we do what we do, 
okay? And I want to get this one out of the way. The first one is necessity, all right? Just to meet the needs uh, that we uh, invariably are going to have, okay? Um, that's valid. This is, this is the most basic. And if you're following me this morning, it's going to be incrementally uh, more important as we walk through these, and we're going to kind of work our way to the most important, in my opinion, according to, to what I think God's Word says. But um, here's what Proverbs says, one of those little Solomon quips of wisdom like we've been uh, sharing the last several weeks. He says, he says, the one who stays on the job has food on the table. The witless chase whims and fancy. Um, basically, he's saying, you know, when you stick after it, your, your needs are going to be met. And I think there's, there's a case to be made I need to be real careful here by, by saying this, but I think that the, the Scripture's teaching us that he designs us and makes us to be self-sufficient so that we can provide, we can take care of those basic resources. And in saying that, I've got to make this real clear. There are some people who can't do that. There are some people who aren't able to do that, and we need to acknowledge that. In fact, um, there are some in this room right now that as we embark on this series, you're saying, wow, this, you know, I might as well check out for the next month, you know, because I'm not working or I haven't worked or not been able to or I'm unemployed or I, um, uh, maybe I'm, my, I'm in the retirement phase and it's not going to Friends, let me just tell you, there's something that's going to be for everybody. I don't care what station you're at because as long as you're here on this earth, God has something for you to do. And I believe whatever your capacity, you've got something to do to contribute. I think otherwise he'd take you on home, right? And so he's saying, okay, if you can meet those needs, if you can, he says, then you need to take care of those uh, basic needs for your family. Scripture teaches um, in Timothy, Paul, in this instruction says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for the members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Okay? Uh, that's a general principle. That's a general principle. But boy, that's pretty strong language. Wouldn't you agree? You know, I, I haven't shared this in any other service, and it just is going through my head, and you know how I am. Sometimes if it comes there, I need to share it with you. I'm sitting here thinking about some of us that might have family members that have become overly dependent upon you. And, and you've found it very hard to do the tough love and to demand that they, they begin to do the things that they need to do, right? And, and that, is a, that is a tough situation to be in. I've walked through this with so many families because there are little manipulations and things like that that they can pull, guilt that they can pull. And, and friends, that same principle applies to them as it does uh, for you. So when you hear that, don't necessarily take that as, as you know, boy, I, I have to do this. Sometimes there's a tough love that needs to be employed. And I guess that leads me to the second verse that you see there, you know, because there's another principle. Back when the pilgrims came to the shore, they had a rule that they set up right away, and it said, if you don't participate in the work, if you're not willing to work, then you're not going to share in the meal that night. And where would they get such a crazy idea? You know where? Right in the Bible. Listen to what Paul's instruction. He says, he says, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Wow. You don't work, 
no worky, no eaty. <laughs> or as I like to say, no loaves for loafers, right? Uh, it's, a, it's just basic, it's right there. Let me say once again, in case you wanna push back, I'm talking about somebody who can, but just won't. They can do this, but they choose to let somebody else take care of them. And I don't know about you, but we're in, a, we're in a day right now where you go out this door and just about every street you go down there are gonna be signs saying, now hiring. It is not like you can't get a job. Oh, I don't like that one, or oh, I don't, it just doesn't fit. Tough luck, man. Do what you've got to do to meet the needs the best that you possibly can. Trust the Lord and, and uh, put it there. Uh, you know, so, so I, I think that we kinda, again, need to get that out of the way. But that's one of the reasons, is just to meet the needs that basically have been put uh, in, in front of us, okay? So, if all your needs are met, does that mean then that you check out like the person that just, you know, came on all, all these funds and don't have to actually work? No, there's, there's several more reasons. And the, the next five, uh, basically, I think, are going to deal with some fundamental things. Here's, this, here's number two, is our identity, our identity, in a lot of ways, is going to be wrapped up in, in uh, that which God has called us and that we carry out. And so our work becomes a place to express the giftedness that God has placed within each one of us. Every one of you here today has been designed by God. He knows you. He knows how he made you. He's put things into you that are uniquely you, that are distinct. And often when we talk about gifts here at North Shore, we're usually couching that in the discovery of, of spiritual gifts, right? Because in case you weren't aware, when the Holy Spirit came into your life, there was something supernatural that was implanted into you by that Spirit that was intended to be contributing to the rest of the body of Christ. And some of you have discovered those gifts. We're going to talk more about this next week. Um, some of you have gifts of, of uh, leadership. Some of you have gifts of teaching, gifts of mercy, gifts of faith, gifts of giving. Uh, there's probably 25, 26, 27, something like that that, are, that if you go to various places, you're going to see these spiritual gifts that the Apostle Paul identified and said, it's like the body. And, and the ear can't say to the eye, I don't need you. Or the foot can't say to the hand, I don't need you. We all are intended to work together in concert with one another. So those kind of gifts are, are there. But even in a broader sense, vocationally, the work that you do, you are wired up a certain way. You are made with a certain passion, a certain desire, a certain bent towards something. Some of you, some of you love numbers. I mean, you just thrive on, on math. We've got a lot of engineers in our church. And, and some of you, just, I, I don't understand you or how you got that way. I, I'm not one like that, uh, you know, I could just totally do away with that. But you love crunching the numbers. That's just the way you're wired. And, and chances are that may have, um, have defined some of the things that you've done over these, these years. Some of you love words. <laughs> I said in the last service, you know, some, love words and communicate like that. But I said some of you can't even spell cat, you know, K-A-T, right? Uh, I say that because my wife had to come back in the auditorium after the first service. He said, you know, you, you want to distinguish a, a, a gift of, you love to sail. And I said, you know, sail, S-A-L-E, instead of S-E-L-L. -L. She says, you need to spell it right next service. That's what a wife's for, right? 
Let's get this straightened out. If she didn't do it, one of you guys would do it probably. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, some people, they have empathetic gifts. They're just, they're wired up, man, with gifts of mercy, and they have a heart. And you often will find them in counseling work that they want to be able to share and listen and pour their hearts out. And some of us think, wow, that would drive me crazy to do that every day. So it's just, he takes your gifts, and your work is a place where you can express that. And as Peter pointed out uh, in his epistle, he said, each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Okay? And, uh, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with enjoying your work, even prospering in your work, and in, in doing what you do and doing it well and enjoying that. Here's the only advice is, don't find yourself comparing to somebody else and what maybe their calling is. Maybe you're in a job where you're around folks and some, some are, are being promoted or they're going on other, to other areas. Maybe they're going from being the worker into the management and they're wired up that way, and they're designed for that. You know, and maybe you got your sights. And say, well, why not me? Maybe you're not wired that way. And this is why Paul gave the advice. He said, let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. So just pay attention to what God's called, called you to do, okay, our identity. This third one, maturity. I think, I think this is a big, big part of this discussion. Because God's wanting to use your work and the job that you do to develop you and to develop your character. He is going to build character through, um, through the job. And, and wow, uh, he, he knows what he's doing. Uh, I, gotta, I gotta say this out loud, guys, that God really is more concerned about who you are rather than what you do. We define ourselves by what we do, often. But he, he's more concerned about what you are becoming, what, um, you know, who you are. And the development of that is something he wants to use your work to accomplish. All right? Now, here's the truth. I guess get, let me ask you a question. How many of you have bosses that just absolutely drive you nuts? Don't answer that. I'm looking around to make sure none of our staff raised their hand, all right? Yeah. Nah. You know, how many conversations have I had with folks come and say, Pastor, would you pray for me that I could get a new job? Man, I, I am just in the worst possible situation, worst possible scenario. This, it's just driving me crazy. Oh, they're just awful, awful. Is it possible that God may be using them to develop you? Let's just take one trait, one characteristic of, of what we know God to be, a God of grace. You know what that word means? To love somebody that you don't really like to love somebody that doesn't deserve your love. It means unmerited favor. That's what the word grace means, it's a gift. You don't deserve it, but you get it anyway. What if God was trying to develop that gift relationally in your life? Would it not necessitate you to be around somebody that might be difficult, hard, maybe you would even say impossible, so that now you can draw on God and his supernatural ability to love them the way that he would love them? And that's just one. I mean, if you go down the list of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, I mean, love, the love, the, the peace, if he's trying to develop peace in your heart, could he use your work and your job to do that? Joy, 
that you truly could discover the joy of serving God even through the work that, that he's called. I like to think of them like seeds. These characteristics, these traits, these virtues are like seeds that he puts. And, and the work we do, the place we go to work, that's the soil in which those seeds have been planted. And all that tough stuff and those difficulties and the hard times, it's fertilizer. All right, you do the inference there, all right? But you know, you put for, isn't it the way it works? You put fertilizer on the seeds so that the seeds can thrive and they grow and, and they can become something even greater. And, and is that not what happens in those settings where it's tough, but he's building your character as a result of it. God is watching how you do what you do and, and he wants you to grow into maturity so that what he, his plan, he's going to entrust you even with more and more and more, but he's going to watch how you do it here. That's why Jesus instructed him. He said, listen, the one uh, who is faithful in very little is also going to be faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If you haven't been faithful in the, you know, in the unrighteous wealth, who's going to entrust you with true riches? And if you haven't been faithful to that which is another's, who's going to give you that which is your own? So interesting thing that Jesus was saying. So I later in Matthew 25, he said, Master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over this little. I'm going to set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. This is eternity. This is a scripture that I'm basing understanding. We're going to have something to do in eternity in heaven. And he's preparing us right now of how we do. And if we allow God to develop our character in the midst of this. Is he doing that? You need, you need his help to do that right now. Maybe you're in a situation that you really are crying out to the Lord. This is timely for you. This is a message for you. He's saying, listen, would you look to me and trust me that I've got a greater agenda than maybe you even realize of why I've got you right where you're at and doing what you're doing. Amen. So um, I, I, I watch that and I, I think of a conversation I had this week a man that I've, I've been discipling, and um, he, uh, he was a, a dad from our academy that uh, had, had an opportunity to lead to the Lord, and so I just went walking him through. And it's just been an interesting journey because he was doing, a, it was, the work that he was doing was uh, varied, and he had actually several businesses, but he, he kind of was beginning to discover that it was marked by, by a lot of ethical challenges, if you know what I mean. And the people, the circles, the, the people he did business with, they were constantly pressuring him to make unethical decisions in his business dealing. And he's, he's just operated that way. So it's been kind of interesting to watch as he's been moving more and more toward the Lord and we've been coaching that way, that suddenly the values that he's finding in Christ are, are, are inconsistent. They're incongruent with the values of his work life. And he's making these adjustments. And just this week, this lengthy conversation, he's saying, I think I've come to the place where I'm, I would love to stay in there and to be a witness to these people, but I'm noticing that just for my own well-being and for my family, I'm going to probably have to start making some significant changes in my vocation and what I do. And listening to how, what he's exploring and what he's looking at, it's just a really cool process. But it's hard, isn't it? Some of you may be right there. I had a brother after the nine o'clock service come up. He said, man, Candy said, you know, I remember in the, my early days, that was me. That's the way I conducted my business. 
He said it took me almost 10 years before he began to allow the Lord to influence the way he conducted his business. And he said, said it was hard, but he said, wow, what, what a difference, what a change that happened as I began to invite that in and recognize God, God wants to grow me. So that's kind of the last statement, the general statement I'd make there at the next page. While you're working on the job, God is working on you. Amen? Amen? He's working on you. Let's look at the fourth one. It's the word credibility. To witness to others. Uh, that's predominantly where your testimony, where your witness is going to be played out. And the way you do your work is going to give either lend credibility or it's going to do harm to the testimony uh, of your, your, your Christ message. You go on record as a Christian and maybe you do some things, maybe you have a Bible study in the lunchroom you know, during break or whatever, but I'm telling you the way that you do your work out on the floor or how you do it elsewhere and, and the things you say, that's gonna say more about your message and the credibility uh, of that message. You know, I, obviously I've been, I've been in the church. Uh, that's been my place, my, I guess you'd say my, my calling, my vocation, whatever. But I've largely been around people that are like-minded, that share the same values, okay? Uh, I know you think I only work one day a week. Uh, that kind of goes with the territory. But there are things that go on Monday through Friday that, uh, you know, where we have to play this thing out and we live this thing out, we live together. But I know a lot, a lot of us that we're in environments where folks are watching you and, and the things that you say, the things that you do are saying more about who you are than any, anything else, the way you do it. What I would appeal to is over the years, Annette and I, you know, at our home, we'll, we'll have people come and do service at our home or, you know, have to bring somebody in to do this or that or whatever. It's really interesting, maybe you've discovered this. It's like the minute they walk in, you can almost tell whether they're a believer or not. Just by their manner, uh, they, sh they show up on time, they, um, uh, they do good work, they're, they're conscientious about the quality of the work that they do, they do follow-up. Uh, the things that they say, probably more the things they don't say or that don't come out of their mouth will, will get your attention. And there's just something inside that says, wow, they, they seem different. Now, uh, from one believer to another, I'll often say, hey, you know, you know the Lord? Well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just think what that does in a home where they don't know Christ, where you bring that light into that, that dark area and the impact you can have. Listen to some of this practical instruction Paul gave. He says, and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent upon no one. Okay, practical instruction. Listen to this one from the message. Uh, don't frustrate God's work by showing up late. You ever know that was in the Bible? Throwing a question mark over everything we're doing. Our work as God's servants gets validated or not in the details. People are watching us. And um, again, our whole theme for this series is whatever we do, in all we do, we do it as unto the Lord. Not to be men pleasers, people pleasers, but to the Lord, okay? Let me go on to the fifth one, generosity. There are some of us, a few of us here, that 
that may have been be in a, a place where, where you're, you know, nine to five, you're 40, 50 hours a week, those days are done, and now you're in, in that next stage, we call it sometimes retirement, and yet you know you're still looking for purpose and meaning in, in, in the things that you're contributing to. Some of us here, and I've met a few of you, you were blessed unusually uh, with, uh, with, you know, resources or financially to the point where you retired early, sometimes, sometimes in the late 30s or 40s. That's not unusual around our area, is it? With Microsoft and Amazon and things, to hear these stories, you wonder, well, what do they do? You know, what, what, what do you do with your time? What do you do with, with your energies? And I want to suggest to you to consider something. And this isn't just for that, that stage, but, but is it possible that we could continue to work so that we could be generous to those outside, to others? That we actually use the, the resources that God entrusts us so that we can pass them on to others. And that could be part of our purpose. This is why I referred to this book, Halftime. Um, and I looked up, uh, I looked at my uh, shelf, and I noticed I still had a couple of boxes of these. And so uh, I'm, I'm going to have some of these back in the back if this, this kind of resonates with where you're at. Uh, Bob Buford wrote this. He was a very successful businessman. And uh, I remember meeting Bob about 20 years ago at, uh, in, in Colorado, Colorado Springs. And I was so inspired by his story that he, he'd done very well, and he had probably enough that, uh, money to live on. But he thought, you know what? There's something more that I think God's calling me to. And so that's why the subtitle is uh, Changing Your Game Plan from Success to Significance. And he founded a, a group, among other things, a ministry called Leadership Network. And his whole genius was to just bring together key leaders and to put them in a room. And he said, you know what? You're going to figure out some amazing stuff. And this has kind of spawned into a ministry over these years that has impacted the church in, in, in a healthy way. It's, it's just amazing. But uh, he shares a story, but also some, some key things to think about. If, in fact, you see yourself either there or moving to the place, well, what does the next chapter look like? What would you like it to look like? Would you like some guidelines along the way? So it might be a, might be a helpful resource. And as long as they last, I'll, I'll make them available this week, next week, whatever. Uh, but you can take a look at that. Just think about that. Uh, again, scripturally, rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone who is in need. Proverbs said, whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself uh, be watered. Uh, last thing I wanted to just consider, and again, incrementally we grow to the more importance. The last one is eternity. Is what, we, is what we are doing contributing to the larger picture of the kingdom of God, or is it just about getting a paycheck? That's what I want you to consider today. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and then everything else is going to fall in place. Everything else can be added to you. But that's our first priority is the kingdom of God. And that's just a question that we wrestle with today. Is what you're doing today, do you see it as having eternal consequence? The people you're involved in, the investment that you make, the fact you're an instrument, a conduit with the things that he's entrusted to pass it on, to make a difference in the name of Jesus. A willingness to follow him wherever he leads you. Uh, it's all for the kingdom's sake. 
Even if you're locked into, you know, a nine-to-five type work, uh, that, that you do that to the glory of God. Today, as we kind of wind it down for, for today, I want to apply a couple of areas, okay? Here's, here's the first one I want you to think about with me. Have you ever stopped to consider that there will be a day when we stand before God? We all know that. Every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord of Lords. But when you stand before him, the scripture teaches we are going to be evaluated on what we did. Some call it the great day of judgment, right? And there's a judgment that's salvation or not salvation. That's not what we're talking about. There's another judgment about what happened on the basis of you trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And Paul in Corinthians 3, he says that's the foundation based on the gospel on what Jesus Christ did. You don't earn that. You don't work for that. You can't work for it. You can't do enough. Okay, this is grace. But you've trusted that. Now, he says, on that life, you're going to build. And you're going to use things like good uh, uh, gold, silver, precious stone, or wood, hay, and stubble. He uses that analogy because it's going to be tested someday by fire. And that fire is going to determine what sort. Look at the scripture there. You can see it in your note. The sort of it. So he's not talking so much about the quantity of it. He's talking about the quality. And he says if it lasts, it's going to last forever. But if it gets burnt up, it's gone forever. And have you ever stopped to think about what are you building on that foundation? With the work that we do, what we've been called to, is it going to last? Is it, is it kingdom-minded? Or is it, is it just a matter of you know, cranking it out so that maybe somewhere down the road you, you might be able to rest from it. I don't know. That's the second thing is, are, am I a kingdom builder or am I just a wealth builder? And when I say wealth, I mean just, you know, just resource, not, not the big, you know, to do. But am I just about supplying just the basic need or do I see it in a broader spectrum? That's what I would like you to pray with me about, pray for us as we walk through this together. I'm encouraging you, if you're not in a group, if you're not in a life group, what a wonderful place to sort these things out with some friends and to talk about these openly and to have prayer for the challenges that invariably are going to come out of this that you're faced with, all right? You can see our guys out in the lobby afterwards and get connected to one of these groups. But uh, we're going to be really zeroing in on this for the next several weeks. So please be in prayer about that. And let's just talk to the Lord about what he's saying to us today uh, as we apply these. Let's stand together. We'll pray for you. And our worship team is going to come and close us out. Before they do, I want to pray with you and over you and, and just trust these into his hands this morning, okay? Father, thank you uh, again for the truth of your word. Uh, we, we appreciate uh, everything you've put there. It's all there for our instruction, for our exhortation, sometimes for our rebuke and correction but for our training in righteousness. Today we receive it. And I know on, on such a broad topic as this, this is going to touch people in a lot of different ways. And maybe this is uncovering some territory that, quite honestly, is uncomfortable. Maybe we've been pushing it away or, or trying not to think about some hard decisions in front of us. But maybe this is something according to your timing and your plan that's bringing it back to the surface. And we want to say to you, Lord, we welcome that. Search our hearts. Examine us. Help us, Lord, to just evaluate. Do a self-evaluation 
to see if, if what we really are building is, is for the kingdom and not just for the temporary. We love you, Lord. We, we thank you that you're at work in our hearts and our lives. You're, you're at work in where we work, and you're the one that makes those, uh, those things happen. God, there's some folks that are right now in the, in the decision phase of seeking what that next chapter looks like. I pray for your direction in their life and that they're just kind of excited because this word has been so personal for them that they look forward to seeing what unfolds. God, there's a person in the room today that's never tr trusted you fully for their salvation. They're just beginning to explore what that looks like. And I pray, Lord, for that person that they won't uh, disregard the little subtle, still small voice, little promptings that are nudging them in that direction. Maybe today is the day they surrender. And to say, Lord Jesus, would you come into my heart and my life? Today I trust you uh, for, for my salvation. I commit my life to you today. Asking you to forgive me of my sins and uh, give me the power to, to begin to live the life that you've called me to to discover what that calling is. And I pray, God, as you hear that prayer, that they will begin to discover in the next day, the next few days, the miracle <laughs> that comes from the new life in Christ. So we commit this to you today. We just entrust it with you. Just pray that you'd be honored by all that we do this week. I know we'll probably be challenged in some of these areas this very week. And so bring that word back to bear and instruct us as we move our way. Trust you with all this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.